I invite you this morning to turn to James, the fourth chapter. James, chapter 4. Trying to finish up this series on hearing God. So I'm looking at this week and next week and wrapping it up with that. And then focusing a little bit more upon Christmas and the beautiful, beautiful time of year that that represents. James chapter 4, I want to read the first three verses. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. Let's pray together. Father, in these next few moments together, I ask that you would remind us of some spiritual truths that we need to be aware of as we come to you in prayer. And many times it's not a matter of you not hearing our voice in the prayers that we offer up, but you're choosing not to hear it because of things that are going on in our lives. We just ask that you would speak to our hearts and help us to have a stronger, more productive prayer life. One where there is dialogue, where we talk to you and then we listen for you to talk to us. Continue to teach us along this line. As we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. From this passage, we can see that the greatest problem is really not unanswered prayer, but unoffered prayer. Unoffered prayer, more often than not, is the thing that causes more problems among Christians than anything else. Verse 2 says, you do not have because you do not ask, very simply. But verse 3 gives us the second problem. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. Without a doubt, unanswered prayer is one of the most frustrating experiences that a Christian knows. It's frustrating, it's frustrating to come in at night, flip the switch, and the lights not come on. It is frustrating to go out to your car in the morning, turn the switch, turn the key, and the car not fire up. But do you automatically assume that the electric company is inept? And do you automatically assume that the automobile industry is inept? No. You don't go and make that kind of a jump. You take a look at your car. You take a look at to see if there's a circuit breaker or something that is off in your house that the lights aren't coming on. You check your battery to see if it's got a full charge. You look close by. It is frustrating without a doubt to hear a series of messages on prayer. To believe what is being said and what you are reading in God's word. And then to pray believing, thanking God for the answer and then not receive an answer. That is extremely frustrating. There's no question about it. But when that happens, don't think that the promises of God 
are out of kilter, that they're a failure. Don't get to thinking that God did not um, say what he meant or didn't mean what he said. Don't blame God. Look closer to home. We need to bring the level of our experience up to the level of God's word and don't try explaining away unanswered prayer, putting the blame on God or somebody else. So the question we ask today is, why then doesn't God answer? Let me just say that Scripture has a way of indicating that hearing God, or God answering and God listening to us and hearing our prayers, it equates the two. It equates those two things. There are three directions I think we need to look. First one begins with us. We need to look at ourselves. The cause of failure may be in your manner of living. It may be that there is unconfessed sin in your life. Sin has a way of short-circuiting prayer. It is the life that prays. Prayer is offered from a platform of the life that you live. And you can't separate the person from the prayers that he is offering up. If a person... If the person offering up a prayer is not what he ought to be, is not living the kind of life that he should, then the reality is that prayer is not going to be heard by God no matter if if it is in God's will or not. No matter how much faith you have, God will not answer that prayer. Isaiah 59, 1 and 2 says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save, or his ear dull, that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. Now, when I say he does not hear, recognize it's not that so much as it is that he will not hear. He hears the sounds, he hears the words, But as I said, the Bible equates hearing with answering. The refusal to answer is equal with the refusal to hear. He simply refuses to listen. Refuses to pay any attention. Have you ever uh, tried to teach your children a lesson when they come at you with with an attitude and they're asking you something and you just, like you can't hear them? Trying to get it across to them that they need to approach you in the right way with the proper attitude. They learn that soon enough. But listen, I want to read several verses here that, are, that drive this point home. Psalm 66, 18 says, If I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. Micah 3, 4 says, Then they will cry to the Lord, but he will not answer them. He will hide his face from them at that time because they have made their deeds evil. 1 Peter 3, 7. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life so that your prayers may not be hindered. I remember early in our marriage, there was a, a lady that kind of took my wife under her wing. She had known Pam for a long time. 
Pam, if you're not aware of it, became a Christian when she was just a couple years prior to meeting me. So she was in her, I think, 19 at the time when she became a Christian. So she married me when she was 21. And she was in for a different lifestyle than she had anticipated. She met me as an engineering student. I then decided that God called me to preach, and so I then became a ministerial student. And that was not what she was signing up for. Uh, you know, God had called me, hadn't called her. And she had expressed that kind of sentiment to this lady. And the lady took her to that passage of Scripture in 1 Peter, and she says this can be rightly applied by just simply changing. It says, likewise, wives live with your husbands in an understanding way, showing honor to the man, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. That's a lesson for all of us to learn, regardless of our sex, that if, if we are not honoring our spouses, if we are not honoring our fathers and mothers, then we will find that our prayers will be hindered. They will be hindered. God tries to get that point across to us. And this is one passage I think we need to recognize. 1 John 3, 19 to 23 is another one. By this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our hearts, our heart before him. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart, and he knows everything. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence toward God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him, because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. And this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he has commanded us. So there again... It has to do with being obedient to him. It has to do with loving one another. It has to do with our manner of life. James 5, 16. It's one more verse along this line. Therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Says it in a positive way there, doesn't it? But it does talk about confessing our sins. We need to confess them to God. But then there are times where we need to make apologies to one another. We don't have to confess every sin that we've committed. We confess those to God, but we don't have to confess them to one another. But when our sins have affected somebody else, we need to apologize to them and confess that we know that we were in the wrong when we were acting that way. Or talking that way. So our manner of living is one thing that can interfere. But another failure may be the wrong motive in prayer. If we've got the wrong motive. James 4.3. I've read it a couple times now. But I'm going to do it a third time. You ask and do not receive. Because you ask wrongly. To spend it on your passions. That means on your desires. On your wants. Your motives just might be selfish. Why are you praying what you are praying? Is it out of concern for somebody? Is it to honor God? Or is it because you want it? There was a woman 
whose husband was not a believer. And she prayed that he would be saved. And he was. He was gloriously saved. He was saved to where, man, I mean, he was in Bible study. He, he was in church every Sunday. He was there even on Wednesday nights. And he even took it beyond that. And he went out visiting and, and talking to people about the Lord. He, if there was a midweek Bible study, he was involved in it. He was involved. And, and she says, I just wanted him to be saved. I didn't want all this other stuff. <laughs> she had the wrong motive, didn't she? She wanted to have him come to church with her on Sunday morning. But he bought into the whole program, and he got involved in everything and even went beyond what the average person got involved in. What, what is your motive? What is your motive for wanting a raise? Is it so you don't have to watch your budget as tightly? Is it because you want to buy that boat? Or you want to buy another gun? Or what, what is your motive? You know, you've got to question that. So I ask you, what is the correct motive for prayer then? Well, John 14, 13 gives us the correct motive for prayer. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Your prayer needs to be linked to divine necessity. Your prayer must have as its motive glorifying God. Glorifying God. Whatever you are praying, whatever your actions are, they need to have the motive of glorifying God. If that is not the motive, then it is questionable. Be careful about your motive in prayer because he knows your heart and he will not accept the prayers that are offered with the wrong motive. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. I've kind of touched on it a little bit, but the second area we need to look at is our prayer itself. Look to yourself, your manner of living, but then look to your prayer itself. 1 John 5, 14 and 15 says, This is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of him. You may not have any unconfessed sin in your life. You may be living a beautiful, righteous life. But God's not going to hear your prayer if it's not according to his will, no matter how much you believe. Sometimes people ask God to heal them and they really believe that he will, but he doesn't. Why? The simple answer is that it's not his will. That he has other plans. It doesn't say in scripture that it's God's will that you be healed. And so you, you can believe all you want to, but if that petition is not according to the will of God, then he's not going to hear you. And we need to trust him that he knows best. That's hard to do, I admit. But you need to trust him that he knows what is best because he sees the big picture. He's not just looking at that little uh, circle of you and your needs, but he sees the whole picture. He sees the people that will be influenced by your life. He sees people that will be touched by your life as he, as he works in and through you even when you're going through the most desperate of times. Faith needs to be 
founded on the fact of the word of God. Some of us think that if we have faith, or think that we have faith, when all we really have is the power of positive thinking. We feel that if we believe it hard enough, and if we just pump up our faith muscles, tell you what, I tried pumping up my muscles yesterday as I was shoveling snow. I'm feeling it today. But we get to thinking if we can just pump up our faith muscles, that somehow, if we believe hard enough, then it's going to come about. We're going to get it. But that's not faith. Faith is being obedient to the word of God. It is founded on the fact of God's words. Sometimes we ask, but it doesn't happen. Well, maybe you read the signs wrong. Maybe there was another plan that God had, and you haven't accepted that plan yet. Paul was thwarted at different times of going different directions on his missionary journeys. He accepted that as God's will, as the Spirit's leading. The reality is we are not infallible, and we don't have that hold on truth that we think we do. I'm not smart enough to know what's in the mind of God. I am thankful when he lets me in on it, but there are going to be times when we're going to misread and misunderstand what we think God's will is. But we need to trust God for the outcome no matter what. Another thing that may come in there is the thing that you pray for may ultimately be according to God's will. And I'm going to preach a little more on that next week. But God has a way of answering things in his own timing, not ours. And so we need to let him do it his way, the way he wants to do it, without outlining it for him without trying to dictate to him. For example, you've got every right to pray for the salvation of an individual. Pray for him. Pray for him without ceasing. But you do not have the right to dictate how it's going to happen. You can't do that. Another example is when you have financial needs and you ask God to give you a new job. But he doesn't. He doesn't because it's not his will to do it that way. He may want you to economize more. He may want you to actually live with that budget that you never quite got done finishing. He may want you to make some changes in your lifestyle so that you can live on your present salary. It's not easy. It's a lesson we all need to learn. But then the third thing is we need to look to God. Many times, perhaps even most of the time, the reason we haven't received the answer has to do with God and his will for our lives. Sometimes God answers prayer in different ways than we expect. Paul's thorn in the flesh is a good example of that. Uh, he met his needs without a doubt. He met his needs, but he did it differently than the way that Paul expected him to. So you may be praying about the salvation of a loved one. You may think that he's going to do it in a certain way, but he may do it totally different. I wonder how many prayers have been answered after a praying saint has gone to be with the Lord. 
How many times has there been a faithful grandmother or grandfather praying for the salvation of a grandchild? They don't live to see that come about. And yet it ultimately comes about. Many times God takes the obvious and reverses it. It was obvious to everybody who was alive at the time that he was going to send his son, the Messiah, the king of noble birth. But did he? I mean, obviously, he would put the gospel message in the hands of the intelligent and educated men with a lot of influence, right? That's, what, that's the logical thing for him to do. Isn't that what we look for in our churches today? When we're looking for leaders, when we're looking for pastors, we want to get the most intelligent and educated. Oh my. God takes the obvious and reverses it so that he can get the glory. There have been times that I have prayed that God would change some troublemaker within the church. You say, well, who could that be? We don't have any here. I wish I could say that of every church I pastored. I can't. Sometimes I'm the troublemaker, quite honestly. But we get a perspective that if somebody's not going along with what we're proposing, that they're a troublemaker. That's not necessarily the case, is it? What I found is that God changed me. I, I, to this day, I remember some ladies that came up to me after I was called to be their pastor, and they told me how they had prayed the last pastor out. And I just smacked my head. I couldn't believe that they were bragging about something like that. When you have somebody that you can't get along with, you need to pray for them, not that God would get rid of them. You need to pray that you would have insight how you could connect with them. One of the churches I pastored, there was a man that, that had been a thorn in the flesh for the previous pastor. It was like he questioned his every move. And I found him questioning my moves. And then something changed. His wife got ill. He needed transportation to take her to the hospital. I provided that transportation. I stayed with them. They wound up having to go down to Phoenix. I took him down to Phoenix. I bonded with him through that experience, and it changed the relationship entirely. Didn't mean that he didn't question things sometimes in, out in the future. He did. But it was different because he then considered me a friend, and I considered him a friend. I didn't simply think of him as a troublemaker. Another thing that happens is that sometimes he delays the answers. And I know that not all of you are impatient people, but most of us are. Most of us are impatient. We think that when we ask God to do something, that he's supposed to do it right now. And if he could have done it yesterday, it would have been even better. But you know, 
a day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as a day to God. Time doesn't bother him. God many times answers our prayers later that he might answer them better. Do you remember the story of Hannah before she gave birth to Samuel and how she had prayed and prayed and prayed and finally God answered her prayer and answered it in a fabulous way. You remember Zacharias and Elizabeth, Elizabeth who gave birth to John the Baptist in her old age? Oh my, Abraham and Sarah, another example that we could think of. God did things differently. He did them in his timing and in his way, and he did it better. He did it so it glorified him. Prayer had been offered in each of these cases for many years before. And they finally saw the fulfillment of their prayer, the answer to their prayer. Think of the times that you've gotten impatient. I have to praise God for not answering some of my prayers. If he'd answered some of them, I would be in a whole lot more trouble than I am today. But God answers by giving us his best. Now, from my limited viewpoint, it didn't always seem like his best. But God, God's not going to slight you. He is not going to give you second best. He wants to give you the very best. He loved us enough to send his son to die for us. He showed his power over death in the grave, over sin in the grave, by raising him up out of the grave. So why should I doubt him? Why should I question him? Why do you doubt him? Why do you question him? God works everything out for his glory and for our good. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 to 16 says, Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Look to yourself. Look to your prayer. And look to God. By faith, trusting Him, no matter how it seems. He's a whole lot more faithful to you than you are to Him. Remember that. He will remain faithful even when you are unfaithful. He loves you even when you have those questions. He understands you like no one else. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you for watching over us. We thank you that when we come to you in prayer, that you do hear us. If our prayer is according to your will, if we, do, if we are not harboring ill against somebody or harboring sin in our lives, we are thankful, Lord, 
for the relationship that you want to have with us. Create within us that same desire to have a relationship with you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.